At last Aragorn stood above the great gates, heedless of the darts of the enemy. As he looked forth, he saw the eastern sky grow pale. Then he raised his empty hand, palm outward in token of parley. The orcs yelled and jeered. Come down, come down, they cried. If you wish to speak to us, come down. Bring your king. We are the fighting Urukai. We will fetch him from his hole if he does not come. Bring out your skulking king. The king stays or comes at his own will, said Aragorn. Then what are you doing here? they answered. Why do you look out? Do you wish to see the greatness of our army? We are the fighting Urukai. I looked out to see the dawn, said Aragorn. What of the dawn? they jeered. We are the Urukai. We do not stop the fight for night or day, for fair weather or for storm. We come to kill by sun or moon. What of the dawn? Hey there, Tolkieners. I'm Danny J. And I'm Joel N. I'm Trevor D. And we are Keep, Keep on Tolkien. Wow, look at that. Welcome back for episode 92, friends. Yes, episode 92, Evil Creatures Part 3. Here we go. Yeah, so this is going to be the third installment in our Evil Creatures trilogy. And today, we're talking about orcs. Yes. Orcs are a race of brutish, aggressive, evil humanoid creatures. Yes. And they are the primary soldiers for both of the Dark Lord's armies. And they're most common servants. Yeah, they're kind of like the evil fodder, like the race that exists to be able to be killed off, kind of like Nazis in movies or something. Yeah, Nazis in movies and video games, or yeah. uh, like those uh, the, those gray things in the Power Rangers, remember? Yeah. You just <laughs> beat the shit out of them all yeah, the Yeah, they were just kind of there to be beat up. And they made that noise, and then you just kick their ass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. you don't expect them to live very long. No, 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 no. Oh, orcs, and well, I suppose these gray things. Yeah. That's well, great thing. I don't even what, what were those fucking called? Somebody out there is like shouting it at us. I care. <laughs> right. I know that one. Um, yeah, let's get into some names and titles. Well, no, no, don't no titles for orcs, really. But uh <laughs> names. names for orcs, yeah. <laughs> so we've got goblins, orcs, orcor, which is the Quenya word for orc. Yeah, we've got yerk, which is Y R C H. And that's Yerk. Yerk. <laughs> and that's uh Cinderin. That means orc, of course. Then we've got Rakas, which is Kuzdul for Orc as well. We've also got Glamhoth, which is uh, Cinderin for Barbaric People. Mm. And uh, Gorgun, which is Druidan. Druidan? Druidan, yeah. Gorgon is cool. Yeah, that's uh, Hanburi Han uses that term in the, in the text. Yeah, they're also sometimes called the Broodlings of Melko or the Children of Melko. Which seems like a kind of a nice thing to call an orc, really. It's, yes. a, it's a pretty kind name, Chil- I suppose. The children of Melko. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sounds uh, uh, harmless enough, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're just here to be friends. Don't worry. Yeah. But let's get into the origins of the orcs. Where did they come from? Right. And like many things in Tolkien, two different versions of how that happened. Yeah. And this just, again, has to do with the fact that Tolkien was, would commonly rewrite his stories. Right. There, there are multiple versions over time. Mm-hmm. So one of the earlier versions of the origins of orcs, in this first version, it basically describes how Melkor created the orcs directly from the earth, from, you know, inanimate objects and material. stuff, from material. Yeah. 
And this can be found in the Book of Lost Tales. It states, For all that race were bred by Melko of the subterranean heats and slime. Their hearts were of granite and their bodies deformed. Yeah, so literally, hearts of granite made of stone and things like that. Yeah, one of the things that blew my mind about this, reading this, is I don't know if this was by accident or not, but this totally leads, uh, gives credence to the mud pits in the Lord of the Rings films. <laughs> like it says, it's straight here. Subterranean like, heats and slime. Like you, so you're thinking like Saruman's mud pits. Yeah, where dude. They, where the, the orcs come out of like the birthing. Yeah, why not? I mean, that's kind of what they're describing here. I, I don't know if I they mean, did that on purpose. You know, but you're right. I mean, I see it now. I mean, when you point it out, I guess, yeah, I never really thought about it that way before. Yeah, I, I, I apologize th- for making fun of it for all these years, I guess. I mean, I guess there are two versions in, in of how orcs came to be and i guess with the, the pg-13 rating you, <laughs> yeah. couldn't, you couldn't really go with the forceful breeding version. no so no i guess if you're right it is kind of like old canon yeah but ultimately this was kind of um not really used in the modern canon uh because it doesn't super make sense because no. melkor would not have been able to create life on his own in the same way that Aule was unable to create life when he tried to make the dwarves. Exactly. It would have been kind of an inconsistency. Mm-hmm. Now, the second version, and the version uh, most widely accepted as canon, explains that orcs had originally come from corrupted elves. And uh, you can find this in the Silmarillion. And this is the version that we will be covering. Yeah. Yes. This is, essentially, this is the canon version now. Right. What we're getting into from this point on is now canon. So let's go all the way back. We're going to go all the way back to 450 years before the rising of the sun or moon. So this is when the elves first woke up near the shores of Quivienen. Quivienen is essentially like their Garden of Eden. Yeah, totally. Uh, Unfortunately for elves, um, Melkor was the first to discover them. Shitty. Um, Right right after they woke up, oddly enough. So Melkor certainly took advantage of this opportunity, being the first to know of, of the elves. And he quickly began sending his evil spirits out among the elves, planting doubt against the Valar in their minds. Also, elves that strayed too far would be captured by a dark rider. And these, uh, these unfortunate ones were brought to Melkor's original fortress, uh, Utumno. 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 Uh, potato, potato. Utumno. Yeah, Utumno. Either way, it's just a terrifying name. Utumno. It Ooh. is, yeah. It's pretty unique. It reminds me of a tree-ish word, right? <laughs> like, tree-ish word. Yeah, like uh, something Treebeard would say. Boradum. Boradum Utumno. Well, it is here. Uh, Melkor commits arguably the most vile act of his life, where he tortures, uh, twists, and mutilates the elves in his captive. Then he forcibly breeds these poor mutilated elves together to make mutilated offspring. And they essentially, he repeats this process over and over and over until he creates an entirely new race of bitterly evil beings. Are we still talking about orcs? Are we talking about pugs now? <laughs> oh, oh, somebody's going to really hate that joke pugs out Pugs aren't that bad. I mean, I mean they uh, are mutilated and tortured they, beings. They are. There's a reason that, that they don't really... Breed, breed pugs the, anymore. What yeah. do they call that? Selective breeding? Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Melkor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks, dude. Th- they but all, you could say that Melkor was the one who invented it and kind of took it a step further. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, yeah. But yeah, so this is how we get the evil race of orcs. And we've got a wonderful, happy excerpt here from the history of Middle Earth, Morgoth's Ring, read by Danny. But of those hapless who were ensnared by Melkor, little is known of a certainty. 
For who of the living has descended into the pits of Utumno, or has explored the darkness of the councils of Melkor? Yet this is held true by the wise of Erisea, that all those of the Quendi that came into the hands of Melkor, ere Utumno was broken, were put there in prison, and by slow arts of cruelty and wickedness were corrupted and enslaved. Thus did Melkor breed the hideous race of the Orkor, in envy and mockery of the Eldar, of whom they were afterwards the bitterest foes. For the Orkor had life and multiplied after the manner of the children of Ilavatar, and not that had life of its own, nor the semblance thereof could ever Melkor make since in his rebellion in the Ainulindale before the beginning, so say the wise. And deep in their dark hearts the Orkor loathed the master whom they served in fear, the maker only of their misery. This, maybe, was the vilest deed of Melkor and the most hateful to Eru. I love that the, uh, the I, I want to say creations, but the, the creatures bred by Melkor also just hate him. Yeah, they don't mm-hmm. like him either. Like I don't know how you could. They, they fear and hate it, like, much like the children of Iluvatar would love Iluvatar. <laughs> These guys just hate their master. Yeah. Well, totally. kind of created them through torture and imprisonment, so I guess right. I don't blame them. Right. Yeah. So are they really servants or are they slaves? In a way, they are kind of slaves. Yeah. 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 That's a pretty philosophical distinction, I guess. Yeah. It is with the orcs. It is with the orcs, yeah. Are the orcs truly servants or are they slaves? Yeah. I love how they use Orcor in that old uh, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, history thing. It reminds me of uh, <laughs> the, uh, like... Like the Peace Corps for orcs, like, <laughs> yeah. join the Orc Corps, make a difference today. Serve your community. <laughs> that would be great propaganda. Yeah, totally. Oh my God, would you see that in uh, the Mordor? Remember the bit, the Mordor oh, bit? Oh, uh, Gorgoroth State Gorgoroth Park. Gorgoroth State Park, yeah. yeah. Do, do they have Orc Corps posters? Just yeah. <laughs> just yeah. <laughs> the Orc Corps go around uh, picking up trash and stuff, I'm sure. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, well, the first documented appearance of orcs was in Year of the Trees, 1330. This is when the Sindarin elves observed a variety of evil creatures roaming Beleriand, and this included orcs, wolves, and other fell beings of shadow. And uh, the small number of these evil creatures had entered Beleriand over the passes in the mountains, as well as the southern forests. In light of this new threat, Thingol commissioned the dwarves of Nograd and Belagos to craft weapons for the Sindar, and they used these new weapons to drive away the orcs and the other evil creatures so they could restore the peace. And around this time, this is when the dwarves told the Sindar that these fell beasts, they believe they came from the ruins of Angban, one of the old outposts of Melkor, before he got captured. And they also said that these beasts could be found east of the Blue Mountains, where they also troubled the elves and the dwarves of that region over there. Oh, the Avari and uh, the other six houses yeah, of dwarves. Yeah, out, out east, yes. Yeah. So the, these, these strange beasts are everywhere. Yeah. When uh, the first dark, dark Lord, you know, Morgoth, the original. The original you know I mean? Dark Lord. <laughs> the OG. When he returned to Middle-earth in... Uh, Year of the Trees, 1495, he rebuilt Angban and raised the three peaks of Thangaradrim. And he rebuilt, like, the, he built Thangaradrim, they're like slag mountains, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, from his from like So, like, industry made those huge mountains, they're industrial he, waste. He built, he built is, mountains. Slag is pretty toxic, too, is it not? Slag, I, yeah, I don't think it's, I th- isn't that the stuff, like, if you breathe it in when you're welding, is like, bad for you, right? I think that's slag or something. I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure. It's. It's not good, I'm sure. Not good for you. Teach us, audience. Yeah, it's like a byproduct of Smith of 
smelting or some shit. I don't know. Yeah, it's not good. It's very bad for the environment. And they, he made three mountain peaks of it, so pretty fucking insane. Yeah. And at this time, Morgoth also found fresh hosts of orcs readied by Sauron. Essentially, Sauron had kept breeding these orcs in Morgoth's absence. That's so... So by the time he came home, he had nice hordes of them. Yeah, that's so nice. It's kind of like when you oh, nice. like you come home from work and like your significant other has the ball packed already. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just like that. That I mean, that pretty much makes Siron just as bad as Morgoth. I wonder if he was sitting there trying to improve upon the uh, the recipe. Oh, probably. Right? How do I make a better work? Maybe. He well, improved, he would because design, yeah. that's part of his uh, nature is yeah. efficient. He's obsessed with efficiency. It's kind of order. his shtick. Yeah, it's his shtick. Yeah. So he probably would be trying to perfect the orc, which we might hear a little bit about uh, later on here in this mm-hmm. episode. So let's take a second here and let's talk about the different kinds of orcs and some of the different terms for the different kinds. Yeah, and this is going to get a little murky uh, because there's <laughs> there's really, uh, the only way to do this is the, there's no charts or, right. you know, things like with umbrella terms. So Joel had to go ahead and piece this together from the text. And I am very uh, not envious of you for having to do that because this is going to get a little uh, little messy, murky. A little murky. So our first two umbrella terms that we went with were goblins and hobgoblins. Right. So essentially hobgoblins are the large upright orcs and the goblins are just your regular sized orcs, standard standard orc. Right. Goblin is sometimes used as a term for orcs that come specifically from the mountains, but it is known that Tolkien used these terms orc, goblin, more or less interchangeably. So. Right. Generally, based on the location, we might have a, you know, somewhat different types of orcs. Mhm. Uh, such as we have the eastern orcs, which were the ones who were inhabiting the far eastern regions of Middle Earth. Mm-hmm. They answered to no one except for Morgoth, or answered to no one since Morgoth, and eventually they came under the sovereignty of Sauron. Yeah, we've also got Morks, the the orcs from Mordor. We've got the Moria orcs, frequently referred to as goblins, goblins again, because they're from the mountains. We've got the Morgul orcs from the Morgul Vale, and then there's also Gundabad orcs from Mount Gundabad, also referred to as goblins oftentimes. Well, it's it's kind of funny because, like, Gundabad orcs are, like, the, on the north end of the Misty Mountains, mm-hmm. and then Moria orcs are on the south end of the Misty Mountains. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, so, yeah, you've got many different terms for orcs based on where they come from. We've also got a couple different terms for the style of orc, so... We're, again, we're talking about goblin orcs, the regular-sized ones. There mm-hmm. are two other kind of subtypes. We've got a snaga, and this is essentially just a slur for a lesser orc of Mordor, and it's essentially something used amongst like the Urukai to insult like calling some regular sh- like orcs. Short shit. Yeah, exactly. Something. Yeah, yeah. It comes from the word in black speech meaning slave or servant. Nice. Yeah. What a nice insult. Yeah. So it's a slur for one of the regular-sized goblins or orcs. And we also have the Snufflers. Yeah. <laughs> this is an interesting name for them. Uh, <laughs> which are smaller black-skinned orcs with wide nostrils who excelled in tracking and were quick on their feet. Nice. Yeah. Their Snufflers are actually particularly agile. One of them is known for like fighting an Urukai, one of the big ones, and like stabbing it in the neck with an arrow and killing it, despite well, being smaller. It's and just like quick and... Extra stealthy because of that really dark skin. Like, mm. they would literally blend in with the night. They'd be hard to see. They, yeah. yeah. Assassins, maybe. So, yeah, good assassins, yeah. So these are all the different terms that we uh, found that would fall under 
Again, goblins or orcs, just the regular size. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit more now about the hobgoblins, the large-sized ones, the upright ones. Right. So let's, uh, first subcategory, Uruks. These also known as Black Uruks of Mordor. Yeah, they're essentially orcs native to Mordor who were eventually bred to be larger and stronger than your average orc. Right. They're the, bigger, stronger. The big boys. They're big boys. Um, it's not necessarily said whether or not they were crossbred. I don't believe that they were. Uh, they were just superior orcs. Yeah, just bigger, bigger breed. We also have the bulldog. Not not bulldog, bulldog. Ball yeah, bulldog. Bulldog. Several yeah. several of the Maiar took on physical form of primitive orcs during the First Age. And uh, according to the History of Middle-Earth, Volume 10, Morgoth's Ring, uh, Baldogs were only less formidable than Balrogs. That's so freaking wild. Yeah, I know. Imagine an orc that strong. Yeah. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. Yeah, so this is kind of special. I guess we put this under the Hobgoblins because it's essentially, it's a Maiar, but they take the form of an orc and a big one at that. These things are intimidating. In the Lay of Lethian, a Baldog was also the name of a specific orc captain that was the leader of a raid on the north marches of Doriath, and this orc captain was tasked by Morgoth to capture Luthien. So here's an instance where Baldog is actually the name of an orc character. Nice. Baldog yeah. the Baldog? Baldog the Baldog. The Baldog. <laughs> yeah, and when uh, also in the Baron and Luthien story, when Baron and Finrod and their companions were captured and brought before the necromancer, a.k.a. Sauron. Uh, at this time, they were disguised as orcs, and they tried to pass themselves off, and they claimed to be soldiers of Baldog. But unfortunately, that kind of gave them away, because this is when the necromancer revealed that he knew that the chieftain Baldog had actually recently been slain, and now he suspected that uh, they were not orcs. Shit! Kind of gave, kind of gave. (laughs) Unlucky. So yeah, so kind of some interesting incorporations of Baldog. Yeah. All right. So this brings us to probably the most well-known type of hobgoblin, the hybrids. The hybrids. Yeah. We're talking about the orcs that were bred with men. Oh, I thought you meant the orcs that also have electric engines in them. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, they got solar panels or skin charges. They do photosynthesis. Yeah. That'd be cool. (laughs) That'd be freaking cool. But no, these are actually just orcs that are bred with men. And we've got Gross. we've got a few different kinds of note. First kind is probably the one most people are familiar with. Yes, the uh, the Urukai, the fighting Urukai, fighting Urukai, who we heard in the opening excerpt from Helm's Deep, right? Hmm. These are the orcs of Isengard, and these orcs are superior to the their superior soldiers to the other hybrids. The Saruman's Urukai legions displayed great discipline and fierce loyalty, in addition to other improvements such as height, strength, endurance, and resistance to sunlight. Which is that kind was of, a big one. It's kind of a big deal. Mm-hmm. Totally. There also appears to have been uh, middle stages between men and the Urukai with varying degrees of orcishness or orc appearance, uh, such as half orcs and goblin men. Yes. Who are, uh, I think, goblin men are mentioned in the movie at one point. Are they? Yeah, Gandalf says he's breeding orcs with goblin men. Oh. Uh, to Elrond, he's talking about what Saruman's up to. Yeah, so that brings us to our next two types of hybrids, the half-orcs and goblin men, which are clearly similar, but explicitly not the same thing. Right. I think it might. Uh, me and Trevor were thinking this the other day during review. Maybe it depends on who's the father and who's the mother, like a liger and a tigon, you know? Oh, I see. Like if it was a female tiger or like and a, a male mule lion. and a hinny, you know? Or was a donk. 
or a zadonk. I just love saying that. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. Maybe that's why. Because yeah, they're both it could orcs be. and men, but like it's just they're they're half orcs and goblin men are different. So. Right. So the half orcs, aka sometimes called man orcs, they're large evil men that possess orcish features. Uh, these were among the Dunlendings who served Saruman in the Battle of the Hornburg. And then we've got the Goblin Men, a.k.a. Orcmen. Yes, and they're uh, similar to Half-Orcs, but not the same. Not exactly clear in what way they're different from Half-Orcs, but they are. It is stated that they're not the same. We've got an excerpt here from the History of Middle-Earth, Volume 10, Morgoth's Ring, read by Trevor. Finally, there is a cogent point, though horrible to relate. It became clear in time that undoubted men could, under the domination of Morgoth or his agents in a few generations, be reduced almost to the orc level of mind and habits, and then they would or could be made to mate with orcs, producing new breeds, often larger and more cunning. There is no doubt that long afterwards in the Third Age, Saruman rediscovered this or learned of it in lore, and his lust for mastery committed this, his wickest deed, the interbreeding of orcs and men, producing both men-orcs, large and cunning, and orc-men, treacherous and vile. No distinction, but they are different. (laughs) They are different. So let's uh, move on now and let's talk about some of the characteristics of orcs, just in general. What's their temperament like? (laughs) What's their temperament? (laughs) Uh, In Tolkien's writings, orcs are cruel, sadistic, black-hearted, vicious, hateful of most things, and uh, particularly of those who were orderly and civilized. Yeah, orcs are often depicted as untidy and dirty. Yes. Yeah, they were generally squat, broad, flat-nosed, rough-skinned, bow-legged, uh, with wide mouths, long arms, and fangs. Yeah, their in- their appearance was considered revolting by most of the other children of Ilavatar. Yeah, they were pitiless and violent by nature, just kind of had to do with their evil <laughs> breeding, if you will. And it was not uncommon for them to kill each other in petty quarrels. For example, the fight in the Tower of Curiosungal. Yeah, sure famous. Remember. Yeah. yeah, famous example of orc infighting. Even expendable to each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then uh, I, um, in the, uh, what was it, the, the Shadow of Mordor game, they have those like, uh, those clashes, the power struggles where oh, they yeah. just, they're oh, just, yeah. you, ro- you roll up on them like beating the shit out of each other for no reason. Yeah, they're just having a disagreement. Yeah. Like, this just... is my tower now. <laughs> yeah. But the orcs, they took pleasure in all kinds of cruel and wicked acts. Sure do. And they did evil deeds for their own amusement. It was just all fun and games for them. It was their nature. Their crass and vicious natures uh, made them very unreliable servants, too. When outside their uh, master's reach, orcs would often disobey their commands or fight amongst themselves to the detriment of their master's designs. They're just like, nope, we're going to do what we want. Yeah, we got an excerpt here read by Joel from The Two Towers, the chapter, the uh, Urukai, book three, chapter three. Alive and captured. No spoiling. That's my orders. Not our orders, said one of the earlier voices. We have come all the way from the mines to kill and avenge our folk. I wish to kill, then go back north. Then you can wish again, said the growling voice. I am Ugluk. I command. I return to Isengard by the swiftest road. Is Saruman the master or the great eye? said the evil voice. We should go back at once to Lugbors. We must stick together, growled Ugluk. I don't trust you, little swine. You've no guts outside your own styes. But for us, you'd have all run away. 
We are the fighting Urukai. We are the servants of Saruman the Wise, the White Hand, the hand that gives us man's flesh to eat. We came out of Isengard and led you here, and we shall lead you back by the way we choose. I am Ugluk. I have spoken. You have spoken more than enough, Ugluk, sneered the evil voice. I wonder how they would like it in Lugbours. They might think that Ugluk's shoulders needed relieving of a swollen head. They might agree with me, with Grishnak, their trusted messenger. And I, Grishnak, say this. Saruman is a fool, and a dirty, treacherous fool. But the great eye is on him. Swine, is it? How do you folk like being called swine by the muckrakers of a dirty little wizard? It's orc flesh they eat, I'll warrant. Many loud yells and orc speech answered him, and the ringing clash of weapons being drawn. Ugluk shouted, and a number of other orcs of nearly his own size ran up. Then suddenly, without warning, Ugluk sprang forward and with two swift strokes swept the heads off two of his opponents. Yeah, I love that. Don't we, uh, we come across the, doesn't Aragorn and the Three Hunters, they come across, uh, oh, yeah. the, the slaughtered carcasses. Yeah, of they these just come guys. up when they're tracking, they they're just like, come oh, across a enough. couple but dead bodies. Yeah, here's a, every now and then there's just a few or a dissenting, uh, corpses on the side <laughs> of the road. <laughs> yeah, not the most reliable soldiers when they're uh, far away from their captains. No. That's what I love that line that Legolas says about the Urukai. They run as if the the whips of their masters are behind them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if there's a Legolas line in the book, but it's in the movie. I know. In battle, orcs fought with reckless ferocity and delighted in the torture of their enemies. However, many of them were pretty cowardly. In general, orc soldiers were often regarded as inferior to the soldiers of men, elves, and dwarves, but far more expendable, as we know. Lots of them die. Yeah, that's really the orcs' only advantage, I would say. Right. There's just a mm-hmm. bunch of them. Yeah, they have numbers. Yeah, orcs made no beautiful things, uh, but many clever inventions such as machines, tools, weapons, and instruments of torture. So they didn't make art or anything like that. Torture is art. Industrious, maybe. But they were industrious. They were very industrious. Yeah, Yeah. Tolkien writes that they were capable, very capable smiths and craftsmen. And uh, though the things they made were often described as crude compared to the free peoples, they, they still worked. And they were delighted with things like wheels and engines and explosions and Dick. simple machines. You know, they, they liked industry. Yeah. Uh, orcs were adept at taming and, and riding wolves and wargs. They also developed tunnel making so they could live underground uh, away from the light because, you know. They don't like it. Yeah. The first orcs couldn't really stand it. And they could tunnel as in mind as well as anybody except for the dwarves, of course. They, <laughs> of course. Of course. There's definitely king there. Uh, but it's also worth noting that orcs prefer not to work more than needed. Yeah, they, 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 they try to min-max. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Yeah, they'd rather coerce others into doing the work for them. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, orcs keep a lot of slaves, uh, generally, don't they? Uh, in At least in Mordor, mm-hmm. they do. Yeah. So orcs had a destructive effect on nature as well, especially forests, and they often destroyed trees for fuel and for just war-making in general. Destroyers and usurpers curse them. The uh, orcs had disdain for all elves, dwarves, and men. They pretty much hated all the other children of Ilavatar. Although they were known occasionally to fight alongside wicked men. Yep. This happened uh, under both Morgoth and Sauron in the first, second, and third ages. (laughs) Yeah, all across the board. Yeah, it's happened. It's known to happen. Yeah, because of the orcs' corrupt nature, they were uh, virtually powerless to resist the domination of a greater will. They're subs, you know, just through and through. 
At first, this was Morgoth's will, and then later Sauron's will. As we know, those are the two dark lords that they often serve. And this meant that orcs cycled between periods of unity, when they had a dark lord unite them, and periods of disunity, when there was no dark lord, and they were just kind of scattered and leaderless. And uh, those were the good times, people, usually. Yeah, the scattered <laughs> ones are probably the good times <laughs> for those orcs. No, I mean, not only for the orcs, but for free peoples, too. Mm, yep. Because the orcs can just do orc things off by their orc selves, and the free peoples don't have to deal with big ar- organized armies of orcs trying to fuck up their shit all the time. Yeah, when the orcs were under a domination of a dark lord, they essentially were turned into, like, orc ants. Right. Do you guys think that a Balrog could dominate orcs? Oh, you mean, like, to its will? Like, to its will, yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't know, actually. Dude, uh, I wonder if... The, no, it would be really crazy. This would be, like, some cool Tolkieneering lore stuff. Is if there was, like, within Moria, um, one of the groups of orcs was, like, they worshipped the Balrog. Yeah. That would be cool. Wouldn't that be cool? That would be cool. Yeah. So when the orcs were not united... The orcs were often consumed with their own petty rivalries. Essentially, each time Sauron rose as Dark Lord, he had to contend with many different tribes of wild orcs who now spoke many dialects and had become accustomed to their own independence. Mm. And to meld these groups back into one coherent force, Sauron had to keep their hatred focused on an outside enemy, the men, elves, and dwarves of the West. And this was essentially the only strategy that was successful in uniting the the orcs together. And when he did it, the orcs pressed into his service and were so completely dominated by his will that they would die for him on command without hesitation. It's like they just become puppets. Basically, yeah. Yeah. So let's get into uh, one of the things that's uh, mis- kind of mysterious about orcs, really. One uh, thing that's kind of debated, yeah. Debated, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, their lifespan. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a pretty interesting one. I remember when we were talking about it, I had asked, like, if they came from elves, would they be immortal? Right. And that's a right. common question. That it, is the question. It's and, unknown. And it's unknown. And there's really no reason to think any different, right? Like, uh, like I don't think I've ever read anything that led me to believe that explicitly they are not immortal. Right. There could be, like, a long-lived elder orc out there, mm-hmm. who, like a wise orc that all the orcs know. Yeah. Yeah, it's not explicitly said anywhere that they have the lifespans of elves, but it's also not said that they don't, you know, and there is in any case some hints in the text for a long lifespan. Uh, one example is the orc Bolg. We mentioned Bolg earlier, I earlier, think. Yeah. Uh Bolg was the chieftain of the orcs who attacked Erebor in the Battle of Five Armies. That was in the Third Age. And we know that he was still alive for the Battle of Azanolbazar in the year 2799. So this means that Bulg would have had to have lived at least 142 years. That's a pretty long lifespan. That's that's longer than a, than a man. Right, yeah. That's probably long for an orc. I know or we're, we're talking elf, about... wouldn't necessarily be Well, no, long, he was but... killed in his prime, right? Like, he was in his mm-hmm. physical prime when he was killed. So, mm-hmm. like, at at least 142 years old, because there's probably infancy, right? Sure. Right. Yeah. Maybe so, maybe he was too hun- close to 200, who knows? Yeah, he could be close to 200 years old, and he's still uh, fighting fit, so, like... And a lot of orcs are killing each other, too, so, like, mm-hmm. how, how likely would it be for there to be, like, an elder orc like that? No, I think orcs, like, are immortal. It's Their lives are so, like, violent and terrible Brutal. that they don't get to live very long yeah. at all, unless I mean, you're, like, super badass. Right. I mean, they're more or less the slaves of the Dark Lord. And we know from other instances uh, where elves were enslaved and, like, Angband, and then they came out later being 
way more aged than yeah, they otherwise. Yeah, Gwyndor. Yeah, like Gwyn. Exactly. Like Gwyndor, Gwyndor is exactly who mm-hmm. I'm thinking of. So yeah. if that can happen to elves, if they can be aged by overworking, imagine what happened to these poor orcs. These poor orcs over, over time. Their, over their lifespans. And uh, the best uh, argument I've ever heard for orcs being immortal was one that I never really thought of. Uh, I heard it on TikTok. There's a there's a content creator on TikTok. His name's No Better Do Better. And uh, a lot of you guys have probably seen him because his videos are awesome. But uh, he, uh, he did uh, one about how in The Hobbit, when the great goblin and the goblins recognized the swords... That, Orcris and Glamdring. That Orcris and Glamdring from the fall of Gondolin, right? Mm-hmm. And they say that as if it's not like they those swords were described to them at some point. They knew them by sight and they were very afraid of them. They as recognized if, them. As if they had seen them in action before, perhaps right. in the fall of Gondolin or very long ago before they were in the Troll Horde, whatever time, right? So it does lead us to believe that Orcs... Like, especially the Great Goblin might have lived a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah, especially those larger, stronger orcs. I could I could believe that, absolutely. Yeah. Let's get into how orcs are viewed in society. Yeah. <laughs> Which so- I'm sure... Society, orcs do not integrate into society. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure we can uh, kind of gleam that uh, they're not very well accepted by others. People no. don't have good views of orcs. The perceptions of the orc... And how to treat them varied between different peoples of Middle Earth, but in general, it wasn't good. Yeah, for example, the dwarves saw it as quite black and white, and they never showed orcs any mercy. They would kill them on sight. They fucking hated them. The elves and men, on the other hand, uh, saw the existence of orcs as more complicated. Yeah, they recognized that they came from elves, and they kind of recognized some of the questions we've been having as we were having this episode that we're discussing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have an excerpt here from the History of Middle Earth, Volume 10, Morgoth's Ring, read by Danny. The wise in the elder days taught always that the orcs were not made by Melkor, and therefore they were not in their origin evil. They might have become irredeemable, at least by elves and men, but they remained within the law. That is, that though of a necessity, being the fingers of the hand of Morgoth, they must be fought with the utmost severity, they must not be dealt with, in their own terms of cruelty and treachery. Captives must not be tormented, not even to discover information for the defense of the homes of elves and men. If any orcs surrender and asked for mercy, they must be granted it, even at a cost. This was the teaching of the wise, though in the horror of the war, it was not always heeded. Yeah, so that's a little more complicated of a view on orcs. That shit made me sad as fuck. Me too. After I read that, I was like, wow, that that means that there is something. Some hope that they could be just. Yeah, at least the wise believe that they should be treated like people. Yeah, and not just slaughtered on sight. Yeah, which makes the mass slaughter of orcs throughout the entire legendary. It makes it kind of genocidal in a way. It is very genocidal. It's it's very sad. It's It's kind of fucked up. But, uh, yeah, that's just, wow. It's so funny that they say that, like, because, you know, just because of the world we live in today where the things that go on in our world go on, it says here that you're not supposed to torture them or do cruel or treacherous things uh, to them. Your enemies. And they must not be tormented, not even to discover information for the defense of our homes, it says, basically. Like, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, I wish we could live up to those standards That'd be nice if we lived up to that standard. (laughs) 
I, st- I think it's even crazier. Like this is this is something ordained by the wise, mm-hmm. and this is yes. a, one of those moments where elves and men like like the wise were like, "Hey, we think they're redeemable," mm-hmm. but the elves and men are like, "Nah, not a chance." Yeah, no, they're no, they're too far gone. Yeah, well, it's the wise of the elves. Well, and men yeah, e- the wise even of the elves and men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's because I think I'm trying to think of somebody like I think like maybe like Faramir might have mercy toward orcs if they asked for it. You know, he's a man man of gondor he's a fair man yeah fairer mere in fact oh boy (laughs) (laughs) oh this guy all right so now that we've talked about the kinds of orcs and their characteristics and their origins let's just jump right into their history yeah let's get into yt year of the trees the morgoth's hordes of orcs left angband in mass for the first time in years of the trees 1497 this was the first battle of Beleriand, and they assaulted the Sindar. And we've got a excerpt here from the Silmarillion, Chapter 10 of the Sindar, read by Trevor. Now the orcs that multiplied in the darkness of the earth grew strong and fell, and their dark lord filled them with a lust of ruin and death, and they issued from Angband's gates under the clouds that Morgoth sent forth, and passed silently into the highlands of the north. Thence, on a sudden, a great army came into Beleriand and assailed King Thingol. The orcs came down upon either side of Menegroth, and from camps in the east between Kelon and Gelion, and west in the plains between Syrian and Narag, they plundered far and wide, and Thingol was cut off from Círdan at Eglarest. Therefore, he called upon Denethor, and the elves came in force from Region beyond Eros, and from Assyrian, and fought the first battle in the wars of Beleriand, and the host of orcs were utterly defeated. And those that fled north from the great slaughter were waylaid by the axes of the Nalgrim that issued from Mount Dolmed. Few indeed returned to Angband. But the victory of the elves was dear-bought, for those of Assyriand were light-armed and no match for the orcs, who were shod with iron and iron-shielded and bore great spears with broad blades. Heck yeah. This is some this is some like ancient history here. This first battle doesn't mm-hmm. even have a name. Doesn't even have a name. There wasn't even any light. There was no sun or moon. I suppose yeah. there was starlight. There's starlight, yeah. But which yeah. is ironic because the next battle is Dagor Nuin Giliath, which is literally called the Battle Under the Stars. <laughs> so this is the second battle of Beleriand. And this is when the orcs assault the Noldor, and uh, the elves were essentially victorious in this battle, and very few of the orcs returned to Angband after this. Yeah, after Nuin, uh, Nuin Giliath, it, it, it was, they were uh, in a, what do they say in basketball, they're in a rebuilding year, you know? In that same year, 1497, Year of the Trees, uh, Melian created the girdle of Melian in reaction to these assaults. Yeah. And she was like, fuck this shit. Build that wall. <laughs> Build that <laughs> yeah. wall. <laughs> Essentially, yeah. Then in the year 1500 of Years of the Trees, also known as Year One of the First Age, this is when the orcs attacked Fingolfin's host as they marched southwards from the Hellcorax into Beleriand. They had just finished that crazy crossing of the Hellcorax. Yeah, dude. And they get attacked by orcs. And this is called the Battle of the Lamoth. And again, the orcs lost and were completely wiped out. Yeah, because they were super juiced up uh, from the trees still. The, the elves were very juiced. 
After this battle, the moon rose for the first time. That must have been pretty cool. <laughs> right? Here's a, here's a new thing in the <laughs> sky. Could you imagine if that happened in our world? Just, uh, what if we got another moon tomorrow? Like, you just That'd looked up in the crazy. sky and they're like... Questions. I would have many questions. Yeah, I would have been like, there isn't... I mean, call me crazy, there's never been two before. This right? isn't like the Berenstain <laughs> right. Bears, Yeah, this right? isn't like that Berenstain, Berenstain <laughs> Bears, Mandela effect shit. Like, there was one moon last night, I and swear. now there's two. <laughs> well, not long after the moon, we also got... The sun. Praise the sun. Sick. And this changed everything for the orcs because they couldn't stand the sunlight. So they all just went back to Angband. Like, see ya. I don't like the light. Yeah, they were not fans of the sun. So this brings us into the first age with the orcs. So the first age of Middle-earth. For 60 years, the orcs seldom left Angband because of that sun. And then in the year 60... This is when Morgoth decided he was going to test the elves again, and he ordered the orcs to go out and attack. Let's do it anyway, yeah. Let's try it anyway. I just thought of a weird thing. Do you think Ilavatar made the sun and the moon happen to try to circumvent the whole orc problem? Do you think that could have been a reaction? Um, um, the sun and the moon were creations of the Valar, and I'm not or, sure. Then the Valar, then. Um, I don't know if they did to specifically spite the orcs, but I mean, it, it was to share goodness with the whole earth, mm-hmm. and goodness hurts evil things. So. <laughs> In a way, they you know they did do it to hurt the orcs. It'd just be interesting <laughs> if it was just like escalating technology and warfare. Right? Yeah, like, here, take God. the sun. Check this out. <laughs> sun the sun and up. the moon are essentially like the Nagasaki and Hiroshima. Yeah, oh, they man. dropped the fucking sun on them. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> that is thermonuclear war. People do it drop is. a sun yeah. on that you. Is. Yeah. That is that uh, is what it is. Fusion, right? Uh fusion, yeah. That's, yeah. That's thermonuclear even, that's device. Even yeah. Worse than the thermonuclear fission reactions that we do. But anyway, we're not talking about physics. We're talking about the, the Dagor Aglareb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The Dagor Aglareb. Yeah, the glorious battle. This one fucking is cool. I like this one. So this is when the orcs poured from Angban and assaulted the highlands of Ordorthonian, and part of the host also passed through the Pass of Sirion into the west and Maglor's Gap in the east, so they're just really trying to get south as quick as they can. Luckily, the Noldor were more vigilant than Morgoth thought, and soon armies under Fingolfin and Maedros counterattacked them from both the east and the west, which means the orc host was caught between the Hammer and Anvil. Ooh, yeah. The Noldor pursued the orcs and utterly destroyed what remained of them. Total murder. Yeah, the bands of orcs that broke off from the larger hosts and straight into the west were ultimately destroyed by the other elven forces out that way. So all of the orcs... They're getting routed left and right. Yeah. ...in this battle. No, it's literally like uh, the history kind of ebbs and flows with the population of orcs. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? When there's like a lot of orcs around, then there's like a huge orc culling. And then the shit calms down for a while until the orc population gets to a you know you know how the deer population There's works. Hunting season, right? right? Yeah. The, the orc hunting yeah, season. Yeah, orc hunting yeah. season. Yeah, people from the Midwest will know what we're talking about with hunting seasons. You know what I mean? That's how you keep the deer from getting too too numerous. Just make sure you get your orc license. Yes. Right? Yeah, you gotta get your right. orc license. So the end of the Dagor Aglareb, the glorious battle, this resulted in the beginning of the 400-year siege of Angband by the Noldor and Elves. 95 years later, in uh, First Age 155, Morgoth tried sending another army of orcs from Angband. Yeah, he sent these ones north and then had them turn west and then south down to the region known as Lamoth hoping to catch Fingolfin by surprise by approaching him from the west. However, the Noldor spotted the orcs, and they were quickly defeated by a force led by Fingon. Heck yeah, coming to save his buddy Maedros, right? Or join his buddy Maedros? 
Uh, Morgoth then perceived that the orcs, unaided, could not defeat the Noldor, so he devised new evils. So he created the dragons. For more information on dragons, go back and see episode 90. Yeah, very recent episode. Uh, we covered the crap out of dragons. Yeah, that was the first installment in our Evil Creatures trilogy, so go check that out. Yeah. Um, in the year First Age 260, Glaurung issued from Angband for the first time, but was quickly defeated. Yeah, learn about that in that previous episode, too. Um, after this began the Long Peace. The Long Peace was a period of 195 years where Beleriand was at peace and the Siege of Angband continued. And the Long Peace was broken uh, in the First Age 455 when the orcs again issued from Angband in the Dagor Bragalach, the Battle of Sudden Flame. The Dagor I just imagine <laughs> that every time, like the boxing announcers saying that. Um, yeah, this was not only a surprise for the Free Peoples, but it was also a complete fucking disaster. Yeah, this battle, the Dagor Bragalach, ended in a decisive victory for Morgoth's armies of orcs and dragons and Balrogs. So yeah. the orcs finally won one. They got one. Which What were those again, Joel? Orcs, dragons, and Balrogs. Oh, my. Oh you had you, you you fucked up the setup, so I had to do it again. God damn it! Uh, this was a turning point in the history of Beleriand, guys. Yeah. So from this point forward, kind of begins the dark times in Beleriand, and this is when orcs would begin freely roaming the country, pillaging and killing. We have an excerpt from the Silmarillion, chapter eighteen, of the ruin of Beleriand and the fall of Fingolfin, read by Joel. But the orcs overwhelmed the riders of the people of Fëanor upon Lothlin, and passed through Maglor's Gap and destroyed all the land between the arms of Gelion. And the orcs took the fortress upon the west slopes of Mount Rerir, and ravaged all Thargelion, the land of Carinthir, and they defiled Lake Helivorn. Thence they passed over Gelion with fire and terror, and came far into East Blariand, but upon Amon Ereb the elves maintained a watch and some strength of war, and they had aid of the green elves. And the orcs came not into Osiriand, nor Tar im Dinyoth, and the lands of the south. During the last six centuries of the First Age, as the core force of Morgoth, hundreds of thousands of orcs were bred in Angband. Hundreds of thousands. Hundreds of thousands. Started pumping them out. We're from uh we're from the Twin Cities and there's like what what's the population of Twin Cities? It's like six hundred thousand altogether, something like that. Mm-hmm. Six, seven. Imagine an entire Twin Cities worth of orcs bred over time. That's, That's a lot. How big is Angband? Angband must just be I think a labyrinth yeah. of underground tunnels and chambers and I mean, the, like the front porch is three mountains of slag. So like, <laughs> yeah, you know that's I mean? pretty fair. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so these orcs, they'd see victories in the coming battles of the Nirnath Arnordiad, the Sack of Nargothrond, and can't forget the Fall of Gondolin. Sure, one of their best, uh, one of their f- most finest hours. One of their finest hours. <laughs> that sounded like one of those as seen on TV like music commercials yeah. the way you said that, Joel. <laughs> <laughs> the orcs of the dwarves of fine victories in Nirnath Arnordiad, Sack of Nargothrond, and Fall of Gondolin. <laughs> All the hits. like yeah. All, All the hits. The hits. Time Warner CDs, remember? <laughs> yeah. oh, man. oh, that dates us. Holy shit, dude. However, their victory streak would come to an end in the War of Wrath, where large numbers of the orcs' populations were wiped out. Very large numbers of the orc population. Gonzo. And here's an excerpt from the Silmarillion, chapter 24, of the voyage of Eärendil in the War of Wrath, read by Danny. 
There was marshaled the whole power of the throne of Morgoth, and it had become great beyond count, so that the Anfoglith could not contain it, and all the north was aflame with war. But it availed him not. The Balrogs were destroyed, save some few that fled and hid themselves in caverns inaccessible at the roots of the earth. And the uncounted legions of orcs perished like straw in a great fire, or were swept away like shriveled leaves before a burning wind. Few remained to trouble the world for long years after. I love that description. Yeah, I love that they perished like straw in a grape fire. That's that's, <laughs> that's wild. Yeah, that's mass destruction. That's genocide right there. Yeah, that's what he's that's what he's very poetically describing. A very poetic description of genocide. Yeah, yeah. It, it sounds like they were culled so much that they are now an endangered species. Yeah, we, we should put them on the list. That. Put them on the list. They yeah. should be protected by the government, dude. Not even kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's so that's pretty much for the the end of the first age there right not right. too many orcs left around second age the beginning part at least pretty cool for everybody like mm-hmm. sick so after the war of wrath the remaining orcs were confused and dismayed without morgoth and easily scattered by their enemies in the millennia after morgoth's defeat the orcs were they were, they were without a leader and they broke down into these small quarrelsome tribes and they resorted to hiding in wild places such as the misty mountains and the mountains of angmar you know without a unifying leader they could never become the menace they were under the og dark lord or any dark lord for that matter i suppose however the orcs could still pose a threat to a reign to an entire region if there were enough of them they might not be organized but they could still cause problems a good example of this happens in the early Second Age when orcs became a problem for the men and dwarves in northern Ravania. Yeah, we talked about this in that um, men episode. Have you guys heard of the Alliance of Dwarves and Men? Yes. Yeah? I, in fact, uh, I have. That's actually a really <laughs> funny... Joel, did, he did that to roast Joel early on today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Early on during review, Joel goes, Have you heard of the Alliance of Dwarves and Men? And I go, Joel, this is the third time we've had this conversation. <laughs> and then I, I, I was like, the last time it came up on the show, like three times already. You're like a goddamn Alzheimer's patient. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's Joel. Oh, man. He's like a parrot or, or what is that? They have super goldfish. That's what the goldfish. stereotypical <laughs> short memory, right? I couldn't remember what animal it was. So let's talk a little bit about this alliance of dwarves and men that everyone's hearing about for the first time right now. Pretty cool here. Yeah, never heard of it before. Never, yeah, no. New shit, new shit, guys. Brand new, brand new. Never covered on this podcast before. This is the world premiere. (laughs) We're dropping the alliance of dwarves and men right here on the podcast. Oh, man. (laughs) So sometime in the early Second Age, the men and dwarves of of Northern Rovanion banded together and created the Alliance of Dwarves and Men to combat the growing threat of orcs in that area. The orcs far outnumbered the dwarves in battles, uh, but their mannish neighbors helped them overcome the superior numbers. And together, the men and the dwarves were able to drive the orcs back. Thus began a warm friendship between the men and dwarves of that region, and the dwarves supplied the men with better arms, and the men, who were skilled riders, often uh, operated as scouts looking around for enemy movement. Yeah, and the the, re- the alliance resulted in relative peace in the region for a while. Yeah, didn't it intermingle their languages too? Yes, uh, it did, I believe. Yeah, Rohirric has some trace amounts of Kuzdul in it, I from think. This, from, from this interaction. From this yeah. interaction, yeah. And then I think a lot of like uh, Rohirrim weapons are dwarf make as well. 
Oh, sure. Okay. Because they descend from the Northmen of Rovanian. Like, I don't think it's confirmed or not, but I think like Harugrim, uh, uh, Theoden's sword might be of dwarf make for that, that makes for that reason. Bad dwarves do make some badass swords. Maybe not quite as badass as the elves' glowing swords, but no, still. No, no. Well, and I don't know that the men and dwarves taught each other some of these skills too, right? Right, they did. Yeah, the dwarves they uh, uh they needed to learn how to like do shit like uh, animal husbandry and horseback riding and stuff like that. That's right. That's right. And the men had uh, like no uh, smithing, and uh, they couldn't even really make fences for their land. Like they, you know, they were they had like simple wooden fences guarding their oh, their shit. Yeah, so like they were in need of a little help, and the dwarves were in need of a little help. It's a beautiful thing, man. Yeah. It's a it's a symbiotic relationship. It's really cool. I actually really dig the alliance of dwarves and men, which is why the first time I told you about it, Joel, <laughs> I was very excited. Yeah. <laughs> It is a really cool alliance. Yeah, super cool. But let's uh, start touching on the return of Sauron to Middle-earth, because this is kind of when our orcs come back into play again. The Dark Lord returns. Sauron's back. Back again. So in the year 500 of the Second Age, this is when Sauron returns to Middle-earth and starts gathering the orcs together again. And this is when Sauron establishes himself in Mordor and begins to build. Between the years, Second Age 1000 and Second Age 1600, Sauron uses his orcs to build the fortress of Baradur. Yeah, that slave labor. Yep. It, it can do crazy things. <laughs> big big fortresses. Like the first uh, two-thirds of the Washington Monument built by slaves. And then the top half is built by freemen. Did you know that? No. Yeah. I did not know Isn't that. Isn't that crazy? American history is fun, guys. Well... In the year uh, 1693, so 93 years later, Sauron attempts to reclaim all the rings of power, sparking the War of the Elves and Sauron. So the War of the Elves and Sauron. So this happens between the years 1693 and 1701 of the Second Age, and this is when Sauron uses his multitude of orcs to wage war on the elves. But during this war, Sauron had not been able to gather all of his orcs, specifically the eastern orcs. He wasn't able to gather them and add them to his armies. Yeah, at first they scorned him. They, <laughs> that's, I would like to see that. Just get the fuck out of here. Um, seeing only his uh, his fair form, because this is when Sauron was walking around like a, like a cool guy. Anatar. Yeah. Um, it wasn't until later, after uh, his first defeat, that Sauron would go back among them in a dark guise and, uh, and subdue them. But during this war, Sauron's armies of orcs gained for him the most land he has ever ruled. Yeah, crazy amount of territory controlled. The orcs covered large portions of Rovanian, almost all of Eriador. Uh, they destroyed Regian, uh, sacked the dwarven fortress of Gundabad. Like, they, they went to work. Mm -hmm. And Gundabad, that was very important to the dwarf. That's like a historical... It's like sacred almost. Yeah, it it's, is. It's very it's, sacred. It's, it's where Durin woke. Yeah. Yeah. So Durin woke and walked alone. Yeah. And um, as a result, the Grey Mountains were now infested with orcs. And communication between Khazadum and Iron Hills, totally cut off. They're like at, under siege. Both of those places are mm -hmm. under siege. Yeah. And the Mount Gundabad would ultimately remain populated by orcs for centuries until the late Third Age. They yeah. took that. Over they, a millennia. Yeah. Yeah. Gundabad is most frequently known, I feel like, to people as like an orc stronghold. It, I feel like it. after they took it from the dwarves, they just kept it. Mm -hmm. It was their new home for many, many years. By the end of the war, Rivendell, the Grey Havens, and Khazadum were all under siege by Sauron's forces. Everybody's on lockdown. Yeah. Bad time for everybody. The war finally ended 
in Second Age 1701 when the army of Numenor arrived, and most of Sauron's armies, or orcs, were destroyed. Sauron fled back to Mordor, barely surviving that encounter. Good for them. Good for them. Fuck, fuck Sauron. So towards the end of the Second Age, Sauron was once again powerful enough to raise large armies of orcs to attempt to conquer Middle-earth once more. Yeah, Sauron was finally captured by the Numenorians in Second Age 3261 and brought to Numenor for the next 58 years. Which actually isn't that long of a span of time. <laughs> it's just time. for an immortal and some, for Dunedain, it's really not that for long. For some of these other He was brought spans. to Numenor for a minute, yeah. Yeah, he was there for a bit. But in his absence, the orcs <laughs> were again only a nuisance in Middle-earth until their leader could return. After the fall of Numenor in Second Age 3319, Sauron fled back to Mordor to rebuild his strength. In the year uh, Second Age 3429, Sauron's armies of orcs are rebuilt and they launch a surprise attack on Gondor. And all of this begins the War of the Last Alliance. 3429, isn't that when Mount Doom erupted for the first time and they named it Amunamarth, Mount Doom or whatever? That very well may be. I think that's the case. So it took it took Sauron like a hundred years to repopulate his orcs. It's kind of yes. kind of what this yeah, boils down to. Yeah, read about it. Mm-hmm. They must have had a lot of orcs at the end of that one hundred years. Holy shit! Yeah, they just populate fast, like like bunnies. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess that does bring us to the War of the Last Alliance. So the orcs, they were the core force of Sauron's legions during the War of the Last Alliance. I mean, they're kind of always his core force. Always the the backbone of right. Sauron's war machine. And so the orcs, they fought in the great battles, such as Battle of Dagorlad and the Siege of Barad-dûr. And while the Last Alliance was a very important and decisive war for the free peoples of Middle-earth, it didn't ultimately have much bearing on the fate of orcs, other than the fact that many orcs were killed. So we're not going to go too deep into the War of the Last Alliance. In fact, we're not going to touch on it too much at all. And honestly, if you're mad about that, Please go back and listen to any of the 20 episodes we've covered The Last Alliance. I'm pretty sure we've covered The the Last Alliance in their own episode. It did have its own episode. That's one of your best. uh, That was when you really started to hit your stride. That was one of the the great Joel episodes. But uh, um, yeah, love The Last Alliance episode. Uh, Round of applause for early KOT. but yeah, listen to any 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 past episode uh, that has to do with the uh, Numenor or anybody the who Dunedain. was involved. The Dunedain. Yeah, you're going to hear about the Last Alliance. Or just check out that whole friggin' episode that Joel did. So we're just going to hop right into the Third Age now. Because that concludes the second act. Yeah, so after the Last of Alliance and Sauron is defeated, the orcs are essentially, again, scattered and leaderless. Yes. And that brings us into the Third Age. And uh, the orcs at this time have essentially concentrated to the Misty Mountains, at least whatever orcs are left. Mm-hmm. When Sauron returned to Dol Guldur and spread his evil influence, orcs began to increase in number once more. And that brings us to Khazad-dûm. Yeah, yeah let's talk about Khazad-dûm. In uh, Third Age, 1980, the dwarves abandoned Khazad-dûm after awakening the Balrog. And this is when it became known as Moria, the Black Pit. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, following the abandonment of Moria, multitude of orcs moved in and established a sort of uneasy coexistence with the Balrog. Yeah, just you don't harm us, we don't harm you kind of thing. Yeah, like, eh, 
I kind of like the idea you brought up earlier, though, of like orcs worshiping the. Bard. I think that'd be cool if that'd they be were at least cool. like because uh, we do. Uh, is it what we go into this uh, uh, that that there's like different tribes of orcs in Moria? Yeah, that yeah, that was one of the next things we were going to cover. The orcs that uh, came and lived in Moria, they ended up living in different tribes throughout Moria. It's a huge expanse. Moria is massive, 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 and maybe one of these tribes worshipped the Balrog. That could be. That'd I mean, be cool. The Balrogs are evil, and orcs are easily dominated by evil. You yeah. should have the Makes the sense. Balrog Dark Lord. Yeah, dude. Why not? Well, the, all, all the, the tribes, little Balrog cult. All the orc cult tribes. Of the uh, those tribes. They did have a commander, though. There was the orc lord Azog that did command all of the tribes of Moria. He was kind of the leader of Moria for a good long time. In Third Age, twenty four seventy five, at the ending of the Watchful Peace, a new, tougher, stronger breed of orc appeared: the Black Uruks of Mordor. Yeah, this is the appearance of the Uruks in the Third Age. They're essentially just a larger, stronger breed of orc, specifically bred for fighting men, and they came from Mordor. In Angmar, orcs fought for the Witch King in his campaign against the realm of Arnor. Uh, years later, they invaded Iriador under the remote leadership of the necromancer Sauron. Yeah, and the orcs of the Misty Mountains, one of the few orcish societies who enjoyed more autonomy, they did still pay homage to the necromancer, a.k.a. Sauron. Well, they also gave him uh, tribute in uh, uh, the Mithril at one point, remember? Mm. Oh, that's, that's, that's right. I that's a commodity. That. Oh, that's dang. a huge commodity. Yeah. And their chieftain Azog started the War of the Dwarves and Orcs. Heck yeah. In the year uh, 3rd age 2790, Thoror, who had been king of the Lonely Mountain, attempted to reclaim Moria, but was slain by orcs, and his body was mutilated by Azog the Defiler got a lovely excerpt here from the lord of the rings appendix a part three durin's folk read by trevor then nar came up and found that it was indeed the body of thror but the head was severed and lay face downwards as he knelt there he heard orc laughter in the shadows and a voice said if beggars will not wait at the door but sneak in to try thieving that is what we do to them but if his family wish to know who is now king here, the name is written on his face. I wrote it. I killed him. I am the master. Then Nar turned the head and saw branded on the brow in dwarf runes so that he could read it. The name Azog. Weeping, Nar fled down the silver load. But he looked back once and saw that orcs had come from the gate and were hacking up the body and flinging the pieces to the black crows. That was the beginning of the War of the Dwarves and the Orcs. Yeah, no shit. That's the beginning of a war. What the fuck? <laughs> that's <laughs> brutal. Kill the king, behead him. Yeah, and just carve your fucking name yeah, in his head. Yeah, Taunt literally the brand him and then cut Chop him, to him pieces. Up pieces. Yeah. yeah. That's... It reminds me when they hacked up Gwyndor's cousin in front of him. Oh, remember? yeah, yeah. That yeah. was that was also pretty fucking brutal. Yeah, orcs do some mean shit. They, they cruelly slay people. They are extremely cruel. And uh, this uh, begins, like we said, the War of the Dwarves and Orcs, which is a pretty metal war. I mean, you've yeah. got two pretty brutal races going against each other here. Oh, yeah, and it's all a lot of it is subterranean, which mm -hmm. is sick. Which is crazy. From 3rd Age 2790 to 3rd Age 2793, the Longbeards gathered an army, calling on all other six houses of the dwarves for war. And in the year 2793, this is when the dwarven hosts finally departed and the war began. And little is actually known of the six-year-long war, but it's known that most of it was fought 
in the mines and tunnels of the Misty Mountains where the dwarves excelled in combat. And the dwarves successfully assailed and sacked every orc hold they could find from Mount Gundabad in the north to the Gladden in the south. The entire Misty Mountain range. Cleaned it up. That's what they did. That's a pretty big area. Yeah, and this this mm-hmm. fact uh, blew my fucking mind. This ended the 1,000... And 96-year occupation of Mount Gundabad over almost 1,100 years. Yeah. Yeah, I remember earlier when we said that Mount Gundabad fell to the orcs and they kept it for a long time? They just left it. They ju- the, <laughs> the dwarves just got it back. One over 1,000 years later. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. literally a millennia. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's four insane. years shy of 1,100 years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's fucking crazy. Well, th- yeah, as we said, so this war, it comes to a climax in uh, 2799 of the Third Age when the final battle of Azul, wow, Azanubazar, that's a fun word, uh, when that was fought in the Dimrill Gate below the East Gate of Moria. Yeah, this was a notoriously bloody battle. The tide turned against the orcs when some dwarven reinforcements arrived from the Iron Hills. And this is when Azog, the Defiler, is slain by Dane to Ironfoot. Heck yeah. We love Dane. Yeah. By the war's end, the orcs suffered irreparable damage to their number. 10,000 orcs were killed in the Demeril Dale. That is crazy. Yeah, just in the Demeril Dale alone. Just in the Demeril Dale alone. That's like one one small section of right. the battle. Yeah, it's said that at least that many were killed throughout the previous six years of the war on top of that. Dude, that would... That's 20,000 orcs. That would take so long to clean up. Imagine the smell. You know what I'm uh. saying? Uh, what did they do with it all? Gross. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't what know, do you man. do with the orc bot? Oh God, burn them. Keep and burn them. That's what the Rohirrim do. <laughs> Drop them into the deepest pits and throw down some oil, like yeah, some, yeah, some oily rags and stuff. <laughs> oily <Yeah>. rags, <laughs> Molotov, just yeah. burn them all. Yeah. So as a result of these astronomical losses, the race of orcs of the Misty Mountains virtually disappeared as a threat to the uh, surrounding areas for a very long time. Yeah, most of the orcs of this area retreated into their caves or were compl- and completely killed, and orcs didn't appear again in mass until the year 2941 of the Third Age. Can anyone tell me what happened in 2941? Class? Can Class? We? It, it was, was it the quest for Erebor and the Battles of the Five Armies? Yes, thank you, Danny, in the front row. Thank you. Thank you, teacher. Was that that one time that that dragon died? That was that one time that dragon died, yes. I think I yeah. learned about that, that a couple episodes dragon, ago. Yeah. Yes, so this brings us to the Battle of Five Armies, which is a, a really fun battle. This is actually one of my favorites. Yeah, this is like, because like this is the first epic battle I read about in a fantasy novel as a kid. You know what I mean? So it's got a, a soft spot in my heart. It's nice that it's both an epic battle, but also like to be exposed as one of your first. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. one of the most important. It's a, br- it's a brutal fucking battle. And it, yeah, it, yeah it, it goes from like place to place as yeah. far as the, the pacing of this, this whole thing. One of the thing about the battle of the five armies that stuck with me over the years, like especially since rereading the Hobbit is that it, Gandalf gets wounded in the battle. Yeah. He has a, his like arm is like busted up. He's, it's in a sling when Bilbo wakes up. So like how hairy did that battle get that Gandalf got fucked up? Like, like his arm was broke or whatever the fuck. That's, yeah. Would like to see that. It would be hard to catch Gandalf unawares. Yeah, like, what happened? Yeah. So, essentially, after the death of the Great Goblin in July of the year 2941, the orcs of the Misty Mountains became furious with the dwarven company of Thorn Oakenshield. 
Yeah. For, blood, him, blood, for having killed the goblin. Blood feud started. Blood feud. <laughs> and in response, the orcs sent messengers to all of the orc strongholds in the surrounding mountains. And they all resolved to come together and attempt to finally win complete dominion of the north. Yeah, all the orc settlements armed themselves and, and gathered secretly. After they had gathered an army of orcs, uh, they began to march stealthily to the south. That's what I always wondered. It's like, how did they just show up like this? Like, they snuck down, guys. Like, they yeah. were already on the way. It said that they they uh, marched south through, like, valleys and tunnels in that night. Mm-hmm. Soon, they had heard about the recent death of the dragon Smaug, and they were filled with joy and greed. You know, that dragon spell left over on the mm-hmm. horde. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants that gold. Everybody wants it, dude. So the orcs hastened southward until they came right up behind the army of King Dane from the Iron Hills. It said not even the ravens knew the coming of the orcs until they arrived at the Lonely Mountain. It's crazy because the ravens see everything. We've got a, uh, a epic, epic excerpt here from The Hobbit, uh, chapter 17, The Clouds Burst, and Joel's going to read it for us. Still more suddenly... A darkness came on with dreadful swiftness. A black cloud hurried over the sky. Winter thunder on a wild wind rolled roaring up and rumbled in the mountain, and lightning lit its peak. And beneath the thunder, another blackness could be seen whirling forward. But it did not come with the wind. It came from the north, like a vast cloud of birds so dense that no light could be seen between their wings. Halt! cried Gandalf, who appeared suddenly and stood alone, with arms uplifted between the advancing dwarves and the ranks of elves and men awaiting them. Halt! he called in a voice like thunder, and his staff blazed forth with a flash like the lightning. Dread has come upon you all! Alas, it has come more swiftly than I guessed! The goblins are upon you! Bulg of the north is coming, O Dane, whose father you slew in Moria! Behold! The bats are above his army like a sea of locusts. They ride upon wolves, and wargs are in their train. Amazement and confusion fell upon them all. Even as Gandalf had been speaking, the darkness grew. The dwarves halted and gazed at the sky. The elves cried out with many voices. So began a battle that none had expected, and it was called the Battle of Five Armies, and it was very terrible. Upon one side were the goblins and the wild wolves, and upon the other were the elves and men and dwarves. I love how the Battle of the Five Armies is kind of like uh, like a Coen Brothers movie, or like like specifically like Burn After Reading. It's like a yeah. it's it's a, just a series of misunderstandings that just ends up in absolute murder and mayhem and chaos. It's a major battle, but it doesn't really come about from like a war or something it's like a series of mishaps that all just kind of you know build up to this random huge battle with five different armies like yeah it's like how does that happen (laughs) just uh, uh, through strange series of events i love that it's like the orcs were the unexpected party too it's like everyone else was there to fight each other and it's like yeah actually guys we got a bigger problem yeah we got yeah. yeah the orcs and the wolves are here yeah deal with this but ultimately as we know the Battle of Five Armies was yet another terrible defeat for orcs, and this resulted in the death of Bolg, the son of Azog. Yeah, fuck that dude. Fuck that guy. Let's talk about another place that's rife with orc filth, Isengard. 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 I was just thinking that. 
Isengard. Yeah. Should we just forever now say Isengard on the podcast? Isengard. Isengard. I kind of don't hate it, actually. I don't hate it either. I kind of don't hate it. <laughs> it's kind of, yeah, Isengard. Anyway, in 2953 of the Third Age, Saruman the White took Isengard for his own, and he began to fortify it. To fortify it. Yeah, he also began recruiting Dunlendings and Orcs of the Misty Mountains into his service. And when Gandalf was imprisoned on the pinnacle of Orthanc, Gandalf could see that Saruman was gathering hordes of orcs and wolves and things in his pits and forges. Yeah. And it's great because these are both in service of and in competition with Sauron. Yeah, it's a he's yeah, these orcs are in a weird political position. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Saruman's playing a crazy game. Yeah. So in preparation for the upcoming war, Saruman also began breeding his own orcs within Isengard. And by some foul craft, Saruman rediscovered Sauron's old strategies for breeding stronger hybrid orcs. And this is when Saruman began breeding his famous race of the Urukai. Saruman's Urukai legions displayed great discipline and fierce loyalty to him. In addition to other improvements such as height, strength, endurance, and resistance to sunlight. Very important. That's a big one. Daywalkers. Daywalkers. <laughs> The orcs of Isengard fought <laughs> in the early mid-battles of the War of the Ring. Such as the first and second battles with the Fords and Isen, and they were also crushed and scattered after the Battle of the Hornburg. The orcs of Mordor fought in many of the major battles during the War of the Ring. Notably, Battle of Pelennor Fields, uh, but the majority of Mordor's forces were destroyed or scattered at the Battle of Morannon. Yeah, sporadic uh, fighting and sorties of sorts, clashes like that. They followed for weeks after, um, but it it ultimately led to the orcs finally being driven out of the western end of Mordor altogether. Yeah, it's ultimately unclear how many orcs the Dark Lord had in all of his armies at that time, and it's not entirely certain how many of those survived after his defeat. But uh, the orcs and Dol Guldur remained in Mirkwood until the fall of Dol Guldur, and that was essentially one of the last battles of the War of the Ring. Yeah, that was one of the battles that took place when all the big battles were taking place. Yeah, when all uh, those battles, the battle under trees, and then the battle... Of, of Dale. Of Dale, that's and right. This, and then uh, the Pelennor Fields as well. Mm-hmm. It was like that's all, a big day of fighting. Yeah, yeah. Really, it's like the, the, the scene in The Godfather, like, all of our business was settled today. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. But as we know, the war, the end of the War of the Ring kind of brings around the end of the Third Age. And we let's, let's touch on the Fourth for a second. Yeah, as we get into the Fourth Age, uh, the fate of the orcs, actually, we, we don't really know much. You know, though many of the Dark Lords' orcs were slain in the weeks following the Battle of Moran, and yeah, like we said, the true number of them is, it's actually, it's unclear. Yeah. And we don't know how many orcs outside of Mordor may still inhabit any other part of Middle-earth. Yeah, what about those ones way out east? Right, we figure there, I mean, there's got to be still orcs living in the mountains and things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, and it is at least known that the orcs of Moria, on, uh, you know, in this case, they were all either fled or slain by the time the Fourth Age comes around. We know that because the dwarves managed to finally retake and rebuild Khazad-dûm in the early fourth age weird that that would come up yeah i wonder i wonder if we could dive into that a little more dwarves taking khazad doom i don't what precedent do we have to cover what such a topic what reason would we have trevor content pray tell i mean maybe we should return to moria 
Maybe I already returned to Moria. <gasps> you did. I did return to Moria. Oh, it, you are sly we gonna? Son of a bitch. Are we all gonna return to Moria or, next week? Or, maybe. Or, I think. I think we should. I think we should. Let's plan on that. We'll we'll write a whole episode uh, after this. We'll stay up. We'll get some coffee for the moment. Yeah, and then uh, we'll do that next week. Cool. Good idea, Trevor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. But let's get into our final thoughts, guys. Final thoughts. Ultimately, in all seriousness. The orcs are probably the most tragic of all the evil creatures. Right. They were the ones they didn't choose it. And not only were they Melkor's servants, but they were like mutilated and like yeah, bred exactly. into this. Yeah. It's, it's really tragic. Like the pug in a way. You <laughs> like know what I mean? The pug. Like, Think of the pug. Are we Think on this the, again? <laughs> yeah. We're on this again. <laughs> the pug. Uh, yeah. I, we were also uh, really surprised by how many different kinds of orcs there are. Right. You've got orcs and you've got goblin men and you've got man orcs and urukai and Ur- black uruks of mordor and, and god knows who the fuck knows the gundabad orcs the like. gundabad orcs the eastern orcs yeah there, there's a million different kinds of orcs out I mean, there the only other like creature i can think of that potentially spawned an evolution of would have been like hobbits right I mean, yeah, men are probably that most that that numerous because because hobbits they they grip them with men, so right. So every different offshoot of hobbits would be an offshoot of men. Yeah, yeah. There's a bunch of different offshoots of men. Remember, check out the the men, the two part men episode to learn more about that. Um, orcs actually raise a lot of questions as well within the legendarium. Like, what is their lifespan? Uh, where do they go when they die? Uh, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, are they truly evil? Should they be treated with mercy? Yeah, or should, should they, they be, be treated as just yeah. monsters? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's confusing. They don't. We don't know if they go to the halls of Mandos. I mean, yeah, right, like if, the elves. Would. If if they if they did, or like if if they actually went to a place, there's going to be a lot of them there. You know, yeah, there's going to be way more of them than there are <laughs> elves. Well, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's for fucking sure. We're pretty sure the orcs have the highest death toll of any creature right. in all yeah. of the legendarium. Yes. And that also brings up the Urukai, half man, half orc. Do they get the choice of the half elves? Yeah, do they go where the men go or do they go Halls of Mandos? This is a mystery. <laughs> Can you imagine orcs and Valinor? <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well, yeah, I think that's pretty much covers it for orcs. What do you think, guys? I think we did a pretty good job. I think we did a pretty good job of covering that topic. Uh, next week, like we... Uh, just planned just now just now just now we're gonna do a full review a full a full episode of uh the return to moria video game and it's a new uh trevor episode so if you're a, if you're a trevor head out there a trevor fan you're gonna want to tune in for this one especially and i'm very very excited to hear your second episode because uh i really liked your first one heck yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm excited to write this one i think it's uh it'll be even better Heck yeah. No, I'm so, so excited. Be stoked, guys. But anyway, thanks for listening to KOT Podcast. Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Stay up to date on new episodes. And please rate or give us a review on whatever you listen to us to. We'd really appreciate that. Thanks so much. Yeah, and a big thank you to our patrons. Uh, If you're interested, you can go support us by subscribing to our Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash KOT Podcast. And subscribing there can also unlock some exclusive content, so go treat yourself. And if private one-time donations are more of your speed, we can also make that happen. We have other payment services. Just contact us on your social media, and we'll make it happen. We appreciate any and all of your support. If you'd like to get in touch with us, have a chat... 
post a question, you should stop by our Discord channel. We'll have a link in the description for that. It's one of the one yep. of the best ways to come and hang out. And yeah, please do that, guys. We hang out on Discord all the freaking time, and we want to start doing more like groupish activities on there and uh, and stuff. So. Yeah, check out our Discord. Yeah, when the Return to Moria game came out, I actually streamed it for a few people. Yeah. Um, so yeah, expect some stuff like that. Mm-hmm. We're also on uh, TikTok at keep underscore on underscore Tolkien underscore podcast. We're on X, formerly Twitter, at KOT Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at official keep on Tolkien. We have an Instagram, and that would be at keep on Tolkien Podcast. If you're interested in getting any merch, any cool stuff that we have uh, done, we actually have some t-shirts and stuff on T-Mill. You can find us at keep-on-tolkien-podcast.tml.com. That's it for us today, guys. I am Danny J. And I am Joel N. I am Trevor D. And together we are... Keep Keep on on Tolkien! All right, Intuitive. My best orc voice. That's pretty good. Do you like it? Thanks, dude. I appreciate it. Orcor. Orcor. Make a difference today.